Hey, everybody, welcome to another week of Trashy Divorces, our season 15 all-star season. My name is Stacy. Hey, friends, I'm Alicia. We are in the middle of our Hall of Fame season. But holy cats today, Stacy. <laughs> this week marks a clear line of demarcation in mm -hmm. how we are naming our Trashy Divorces characters from now on. Hall of Fame, five or more divorces. Mm -hmm. Then there are all-stars, mm -hmm. which I don't think necessarily from now on you have to have five or more. I think they're two different things, but <laughs> my dude this week is both. Yes. Rex Harrison, how about a round of applause, a standing ovation, taking a lead from Rihanna's Take a Bow this week. There's never been a Hall of Famer like this. Rex Harrison is an all-star in the trashy department. I would agree with that assessment, yes. Before we get started. Mm -hmm. Got some names in our magic mirror, do we not? We do. So excited to welcome all of these folks over to patreon.com slash trashy divorces, getting ad-free bonus episodes, early episodes, all the goodies over there. Big thanks to... Thanks so much to Brittany P., Lauren, Ruth G., Sarah Alice, Doris M., and Emily D. Y'all rock. This guy's just terrible. Rex Harrison is just terrible. I'm verklempt at what to say, so I think the only thing we can do is go, go, go. Alicia, you've been cackling about how awful this one is. It's a real king of an all-star, right? That it is, Stacy. Hold on to your socks if you're wearing any. Sit down, everybody. I got the story to tell you today of The Five Trashy Divorces, Dead Wife, and Fatal Affair of Rex Harrison. Hmm. Actor? Actor, actor yes, okay. of stage and screen actor Rex Harrison. Many of us remember Rex Harrison as the dapper, sophisticated Professor Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady. While he was well-respected for his acting abilities, off-screen, a little bit of a different <laughs> matter, his behavior was often appalling and shocking, least of all to his wives. Perfect. Rex is a relentless playboy and womanizer. Hmm. He had very little concern for the feelings of others. Add to that, bonus, vile temper. Even bigger bonus, the cherry on the Sunday of Rex, an acid tongue to match. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. It wasn't just his six wives, old sexy Rexy Ooh. wronged in his life. The accounts of his scandalous and rakish conduct were legendary in the world of show business. Even his fans did not escape the wrath of Rex. Now, admittedly, when you have six wives and numerous lovers, it may be understandable you get a little confused about names at times. So this happened to Rex Harrison. He once shouted at one of his wives, Come back here! Long pause. <laughs> you? Oh. Mm-hmm. Nothing makes you feel seen quite like that. While Rex Harrison appears on the surface to be charming and elegant, he will leave a trail of heartache, humiliation, and even death in his wake. Take a bow, Rex Harrison. <laughs> it's over now. No one wins with sexy Rexy. Let's get into it. Rex Harrison was born Reginald Carey Harrison in Lancashire, England, March 5th, 1908. Middle-class family. Old Reginald has two older sisters. He's the baby of Edith and William. During his childhood, Rex, sorry, Reginald, mm. has measles, which causes him to lose most of his sight in his left eye. Not great. Not great. This would later cause him some difficulties on stage from not being able to see everything, but to cheer him up after his illness and partial blindness, his mom would take Reginald out to the theater, which would end up having a quite profound <laughs> effect impact. on his life. I can imagine blocking would be weird with because you won't have depth perception. Right. No, it's definitely mm -hmm. like a visual challenge that yeah. he faces in his life. But this isn't going to get old Reginald down. <laughs> he 
He's captivated by the performances he saw during sure. his visits to the theater. And Reginald decides at a very young age to become a famous actor himself. Oh, famous. Good. Good, good. You don't want to be a <laughs> nobody be an ordinary of an actor. actor. He's going to be a famous actor. Now, Reginald's confidence is so great that in order to become a famous actor, there's no need to take acting lessons. Oh. He doesn't need them, he believes. Okay. He would continue any type of acting lesson, just outright refuse throughout his entire life and career because he's that naturally gifted and definitely going to become a famous actor. Well, how does he network his way into the theater, the theater community? Oh, we're going to find out. Okay. Oh, we're going to find out. Oh, Stacy. Interesting. So Reginald, as we can see, has an intense craving for the spotlight. And he does have also an immense belief in himself and his abilities. He'll get his first acting gig at 16. But here, Reginald, not quite posh enough. He also took a little Latin in school. And learned that king mm -hmm. in Latin is Rex. Mm -hmm. So now Reginald is Rex Harrison. Wow. With a name like king that adds to his confidence. Wow. And his not one ever lesson in the field you want to craft. Okay. Okay. There's a phrase too big for your britches. I feel like that may apply. But let's see. After high school... Rex now begins a serious stage career in Liverpool because that's where you go mm -hmm. to break through. Sure. And he was successful and eventually worked his way to the stages of London's West End, which is where you work to get to. So huzzah. Mm -hmm. These performances would lead to Rex's first movie role in 1930. But it wasn't just his career that was climbing around this time. Rex worked almost as hard at being a playboy and social climber as he does at acting. Actually, I'm going to say more because he doesn't work very hard at acting, apparently. I mean, what's the point of being famous if you can't be a playboy and social climber? Welcome to marriage number one. <laughs> oh, no. This is Noelle Marjorie Thomas. She goes by Colette. Rex will fix his ambitious gaze upon <sighs> the beautiful and upper class <clears throat> Noelle Marjorie. Again, we're going to call her Colette for the purposes of this story. The two meet at a party in 1933, but there was a small, slight hiccup, little problem. Colette's parents do not approve of uh, Rex Harrison. They don't see his kinginess yet? Well, I mean, like a lot of parents, they don't want their very sure. wealthy, upper-class daughter to marry an actor. Yeah, running off with some actor. Especially not an actor from a middle-class background. But the couple <laughs> refuses to be deterred. So in 1934, Rex Harrison will exchange vows only for the first time, but nowhere close to the last. Mm. So here's Rex marrying into a family with good social connections this may be the reason he starts to develop his snobbishness. Sounds like he was well on his way. It's not going to take a lot. The <laughs> couple will rent a small flat in Mayfair and enjoy going out to local clubs at night. Mm. Like you do, young, like you do, sure. hip. Great Depression. <laughs> Both Rex and Colette drink more than they probably should have. Mm. And with Rex's inconsistent jobs... Money will quickly become a problem for the young couple. Hmm. Colette isn't really interested in keeping their financial lives in order, and Rex is not capable of managing normal household or like easy marital sort of tasks. So we can see that it's going to go probably not great. <laughs> Add to that, Colette and Rex are both strong-willed and stubborn and both have a temper. What a great fit. Neither would ever yield to the other, so there were many arguments that escalated into loud fights, smashing of dishes, vases, whatever else they really could find. This is great. Crap with money and willing to smash stuff up to prove a point. Well, they smashed each other up, too. Uh. Apparently, they share a, a strong sex drive, which keeps the marriage actually glued together for longer than it probably normally would have been glued. Okay. 
But as tensions increase and money problems become more of an issue, great news, Colette's pregnant within a few months of their marriage. Great. Now, in order to make some quick money, because Rex is going to try, he takes some small parts in bad movies that don't pay very much, but at least he's got a few bucks coming in. But at this time, to answer your earlier question, it is here that Rex catches the eye of a West End manager and begins appearing in a series of plays. Huzzah! He's certainly handsome enough to be a matinee idol, and women have always found Rex sexy, so he was able to use all of this to his advantage. On January 25th, 1935, Colette gives birth to a son they named Noel. Right after birth, Rex leaves for Glasgow to perform in a play called Man of Yesterday. I bet he's perfectly cool to be solo without supervision. Because Rex Harrison probably changed a diaper. So Man of Yesterday is a hit, and it's followed by many more London theatrical performances. During this time, it becomes very noticeable that Rex begins to adopt characteristics of the characters he's playing in roles while trying them on. Not creepy. Okay. So Rex will every day begin to appear much more sophisticated than he actually was and would put on a superior air all the time, most especially when he thought he could get away with it. Sure. Now, here, the fate of fortunes turn on a dime because Rex Harrison, good Lord, Rex is offered a role on Broadway because of all of his West End amazingness that would take the young family to New York City. New York City? Mid-30s. He receives great reviews on Broadway. Fantastic. At this time, Rex Harrison is offered a contract with Warner Brothers. But Rex Harrison believes that he is worth way more than Warner Brothers was offering and turns it down. Did not understand how the studio system worked. (laughs) I'm worth more than that, and I'm posh, and I'm going to put on some airs, and... I have this accent. And I'm more sophisticated by the day. I play the role of Rex Harrison each day. (laughs) The couple will return to England, where Rex will continue to find success and now prestige Mm. as a theater actor. Thespian. Mm -hmm. He's performing in plays attended by members of the royal family, He's invited to very glamorous after parties. Rex Harrison becomes very sought after on London's social scene. He also starts to become known for his difficult reputation among other thespians. Diana Churchill, fellow actor and daughter of Winston Churchill, was starring in a play with Rex and said that the mood on set was light and playful. Everything was great until Rex showed up. But... Quote, then it was like a splash of cold water. He didn't relax. It was all work to him. No fun to be with at all and very persnickety, unquote. In 1937, Rex has his first starring film role in A Storm in a Teacup opposite previous Trashy Divorces alum, Vivian Lee. Hmm. Later that year, Rex and Vivian are scheduled to star in another film, School for Husbands. Rex will tell... Diana Churchill, I'm going to talk to Alex, the producer, because I like working with you rather than having to make another picture with that Lee girl who can't act. Later in his career, when he gets the clout to do so, Rex Harrison insists on approving all of his leading ladies. But we're here for the trashy divorce, and naturally his marriage to Colette is strained at this point. No big surprise that Rex Harrison is not quite an ideal husband. When World War II breaks out, Colette begins working for the Red Cross, like so many women in Britain do. While she's busy helping the war effort, Rex occupies himself with something else, and he guesses... I'm gonna guess a woman who is not Colette. Fooling around. You got it. Yeah. The new object of Rex's attention and affection was a young actress named Lily Palmer. Palmer was a German Jew and had fled to England. This is World War II. Mm -hmm. Upon meeting Lily Palmer, Rex falls hard. 
and he is not going to let the very small inconvenience of a wife and a child get in his way. Rex will leave Colette in 1940 to be with his new love. That divorce was finalized in 1942. Did you hear that I'm a king? We're not quite done with the divorce, though, because we need to enter in Lily. Rex's second marriage will be to Lily Palmer. And I'm going to open here with a quote from Rex Harrison's sister, Sylvia. She says, When I met Lily, it was obvious to me she was very different from my brother in some ways. Their sense of humor, for instance, very prep school in Rex's case, much soberer in Lily's. The German thing, I expect. But it was obvious to us that she was equipped to sort him out, and his affairs were then in a terrible muddle. In that respect, she was a bit like our mother. He was always looking for things to be arranged for him without any trouble. The motherly touch. Lily had that. You could see she was very intelligent and would probably broaden Rex's mind. With Lily, he grew up. He would have never grown up with Colette. Lily will recall the first time she sees Rex on the London stage and says of this experience, He was that rare combination, a born comedian who looked like a leading man. Lily, for her part, is organized. She's methodical. She's ambitious. And being a German-Jewish woman, having escaped Germany at a pretty terrible time, Lily likes to control all aspects of her life. Makes sense to me. It does, yeah. When they meet, Lily already has an impressive resume of theater roles and had recently starred in an Alfred Hitchcock film, Secret Agent. They meet. The morning after they meet, Lily, so enamored of her new love, will take him, Rex, to see the private zoo of the Earl of Dudley. This is the largest private zoo in Europe. At Yeah. This is not a euphemism. No. <laughs> okay. This aristocratic connection that Lily has, because Lily can just go to the zoo of the Earl of Dudley. Sure. Fantastic. Rex is impressed. Yeah. Duke of Earl or whatever. Dudley, but so close. <laughs> now, Rex is not yet divorced from Colette. He and Lily have just met, right? Right. But, but the marriage is over. However, when Rex and Colette agree to divorce, it becomes a much more cumbersome process than it might have been today. We know this. We've seen this historically through our Trashy Divorces ride. English divorces in those days required that the suing party prove infidelity. It takes two years from the time they file for divorce for Rex and Colette to legally be divorced. Colette had to publicly charge Rex with adultery and cohabitation, and Lily Palmer was cited as the co-respondent in the case. And because it's required to prove guilt, this also meant that Colette gets a large alimony once the divorce is finally final, Good for you, Colette. (laughs) During this time, Rex is in another hit play called No Time for Comedy. But the play runs mornings and afternoons only, as at the time there could be no evening performances because of the air raids. Oh, right. London changes its theater schedule to mornings and afternoons. So they can do the blackout I would have never thought about it, Mm -hmm. but the things you learn on Trashy Divorces... (laughs) In the evenings, Rex will volunteer for fire watch duty a few times a week as well. The divorce decrees in England at that time stipulate that neither party could remarry for six months. However, it is almost six months to the exact day that Rex Harrison and Lily Palmer were married, January 25th, 1943. Within that same year, Lily gives birth to their only son, Carrie, And not only was Harrison's personal life back on track, his theater and film career were thriving. In October of 1945, the Harrisons will board the Queen Mary to California because Rex Harrison has now been offered a contract with 20th Century Fox. They will pay me what I'm worth. Luckily for Lily, once there, Lily was able to secure a contract with the studio as well. Holy cats. Mm -hmm. All things coming up roses. 
The Harrisons are a showbiz power couple now, and they're at the center of this social scene. They live the life of glamorous parties and vacations. I mean, they're Hollywood. Yeah. Woo! Movie stars. They move into their Beverly Hills bungalow. The couple starts socializing with the Gary Coopers, the Spencer Tracys, the Cary Grants, and the Jimmy Stewarts. What? At first, Harrison finds these interactions awkward. Because imagine this fun bloke at a party. He shows up with Spencer Tracy and Gary Cooper and Jimmy Stewart and... All Rex wants to talk about his work. And all of these actors, when they get together, want to talk about anything but work. Because they like to have fun. <laughs> Hundred, like We're done with work. Yeah. We're here to relax. Mm -hmm. We're in this posh party. We're playing golf. We're yeah. flying our planes. We're screwing around on our wives. Don't bring the party down. We'll go back to work on Monday, man. Rex will become more comfortable in Hollywood. Gets a little bit more comfortable around other famous actors. But it's not just the Hollywood scene that Rex and Lily Palmer frequent in. Their favorite people to entertain are royal outcasts, including the Duke and Duchess of Windsor. Of course. Edward VIII and Wallace Simpson. Really, the story does have everything. I'm trying to keep my glee sort of diminished as we go through it. But wow, there's a lot of spiderwebs. Even though things appear to be going well personally and professionally, it does not take long for Rex to grow restless again. His performances in Hollywood are critically acclaimed. His movies are very successful, but his reputation for being difficult to work with was getting worse by the day. Rex does not care. Rex believes himself to be such a valuable asset to any studio or any film that he participates in, that there's just no need for me to follow the rules. It's not only professionally that he grows restless and begins to rebel. He does it romantically as well. Rex has found a new lady to admire, hmm. and her name is Carol Landis. Sweet Carol Landis. Not that she didn't have a reputation for trouble, too. Carol Landis most certainly did, but... Soon, the combination of Rex Harrison and Carol Landis will cause a major Hollywood scandal. Now is the time for everybody just to take a break. We're going to hear from our sponsors. We'll be back with the Carol Landis relationship and scandal Ooh. after the flip. Love a good scandal. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi. People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends. So for me, it's, you know. Try like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to <laughs> podcasts on. Yeah, podcast your, homecasts. Your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. All right, Alicia, let me hear this scandal. Goodness. Carol Landis was newly separated from her husband number four Ooh. in 1947 when she was introduced to Rex Harrison. Landis had an equally scandalous reputation. They're neck and neck. She's had a lot of lovers and marriages. Her first marriage is when she was 13 years old. So Carol Landis had a first marriage when she was 13? Correct. Equally as scandalous, perfect, the two are immediately drawn to each other and begin a public and passionate affair. While he's still married. Correct. To sweet Lily. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Great. Now, I love it when Hollywood historians say it's the worst kept secret in Hollywood, 
We see a lot of worst kept secrets yeah. in Hollywood, but this is alas one of the worst kept secrets in Hollywood. Carol and Rex flaunt their affair. They will dance sensually together at parties while poor Lily is there at the dinner table. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, hold on though. Measure for measure here. Let's talk about the irony of the situation because Rex Harrison continues to be very jealous and possessive as a husband Hmm. to Lily Palmer. What a great combo. Sure. Public philandering, (laughs) intensely jealous jerk. So, in fact, one time at a party, he suspected that Frank Sinatra was hitting on Lily Palmer. In a rage, Rex Harrison walks over to Frank Sinatra and punches old blue eyes in the face. Wow. This is 1947, and if you have followed our Trashy Divorces and Done and Done thread, Frank Sinatra loves to hit people. Mm -hmm. I wonder if he learned it from watching Rex Harrison. Mm. Back to the story. Rex Harrison already had a reputation as a womanizing cad and an obnoxious egomaniac. So this shocking behavior, not much of a surprise. However, okay, this is where it just gets good. I start, I, now I'm getting a little, a little goosebumpy. When gossip columnist Walter Winchell started to write about the affair, things get a little dicey. Winchell writes that Lily Palmer was well aware of the affair and that Rex Harrison and Carol Landis would soon be married. Hmm. Studio head Daryl Zanuck decides that now it is time for him to, in fact, get involved. This has gone yeah. on way too far. Daryl Zanuck calls Rex Harrison into the head office and tells him that under no circumstances would he be divorcing his wife to marry Carol, and if he wanted to continue his work as an actor in Hollywood. Yeah, because you're generating bad publicity. Quit it. Sure, that would have been enough. But then Daryl Zanuck continues. And Daryl Zanuck goes on to tell Rex Harrison about his own torrid affair that he had had with Carol Landis. Oh my God. This happened in the early 1940s. And how after that, Daryl Zanuck had lowered her to a B actress when it was all said and done. Thanks, Daryl. People have always played dirty. Yep. Rex Harrison knows at this time that he cannot afford to defy Daryl Zanuck by marrying Carol Landis. But Rex Harrison has no intention of cutting off the actual affair because, come on. Lily Palmer goes to New York to stay with her sister. Lily's going to take a little break. She's going to contemplate the future of her marriage and just get away from it all. Because now, like, the heat's on. Yeah. Now, Rex and Carol have a go, go, go green light. They don't waste an opportunity to be alone without Lily Palmer in the way looking on of the affair they're carrying on very much in the public. Carol Landis is almost ready to turn 30. She feels that she has to get Rex to marry her before she's no longer desirable, which really the irony is not lost on me that after four marriages, you're first at 13, you're probably going to be okay, Carol. But Carol becomes convinced that she will be able to convince Rex to marry her while Lily is out of town. Isn't there this small matter of needing to divorce? Mere complication. She just wants a bigamist marriage? (laughs) Poor Carol Landis is just tragically, tragically mistaken about how this is all going to go down. In the summer of 1948, Rex Harrison was offered the leading role in the Broadway production of Anne of a Thousand Days. Famously about Anne Boleyn. Sure, your favorite. On July the 4th, Rex Harrison will go to Carol Landis's Malibu home to tell her the news that he's moving to New York for this Broadway production and ending their relationship. And how did Carol Landis take this news? No one knows for certain what happened that night between Harrison and Landis. What we do know is that Rex Harrison left a distraught Landis's home about 9 p.m. Rex then calls Carol about 1.30 a.m. The details of that conversation will never be known. The precise exact events of the subsequent several hours... No one can know. But the next afternoon, 
Carol Landis would be found dead on her bedroom floor with a rosary and a note to her mother in her hands. Okay, well, that's just awful. She was surrounded by empty pill bottles. Rex Harrison is the one to discover Landis's body along with her maid, and although the studio did their best to cover up the scandal, there was no way for Rex to escape it. As details do, they continue to come out after Carol's passing, and here it becomes known that Rex Harrison actually found his lover Carol collapsed and unconscious but still alive several hours before her death. Oh. Rex Harrison does not do anything to help her. He does not call the police. He does not call an ambulance. He does not call a doctor. Hey, Klaus von Bülow. Yeah, this is not good. Once Carol Landis was dead, Rex then will call to report that he had discovered her lifeless body. And this ends the career of Rex Harrison, who then spends the rest of his life in prison. Yes? No. 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 That's fascinating. As you may imagine, Yeah, what does the studio do? And allegations ensued. To the investigators and to the press, he maintained, Rex does, that he and Landis were only good friends. Mm -hmm. And that her suicide was likely due to general financial issues. Mm Mm-hmm. In a remarkable twist to the next act, Lily Palmer decides to stand by Rex Harrison's side. Okay. Die. Okay. The studio was not so loyal. They drop Rex Harrison. Okay, well, at least... <laughs> okay. No, it's, it's a roller coaster. I mean... We're not to the take a bow stage yet. Just keep keep going with me. Okay. So with Rex and his reputation in tatters in Hollywood, Rex will take Lily Palmer, his wife and son, to New York City. In the next few years, Rex restores his reputation and career, having many triumphs on the stage between 1948 and the early 1950s. Old Rex will even win a Tony Award in 1949 for his role as Henry VIII in Anne of a Thousand Days. So he he became... It was on-the-job training. He didn't take acting classes, but he ended up okay at it. Henry VIII, that guy's swell. (laughs) Let me take after him. He's my hero. So, I don't know, the confidence of Rex Harrison, it doesn't take long for his success on Broadway to restore his professional image in Hollywood as well, because apparently standards mean nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. At this time, because Lily stands by Rex, his marriage is temporarily improved. Well, and also his mistress is dead. No help to you. Rex and Lily will star in a few movies together (laughs) during this time. In 1951, they'll star in a film called The Long Dark Call. In 1952, they co-star in The Four Poster. In 1953, they both appear alongside... Tallulah Bankhead, Hmm. Ethel and Lionel Barrymore, Mary Martin, and Helen Hayes in Main Street to Broadway. In 1954, Rex will star in the film King Richard and the Crusaders. Things are okay. Lots of success. He and Lily working it out. That same year, though, 1954, Rex will star in The Constant Husband with Kay Kendall. It is not a coincidence that Kay Kendall will become the third Mrs. Harrison. Props to Lily Palmer for. Oh, we're not done with Lily. Oh, I, I know. I'm. Oh, I'm Lily. sure, but. Oof. Before meeting Rex Harrison, Kay Kendall was a British actress from a prestigious and popular acting family. She is 19 years Harrison's junior. Mm-hmm. Kay Kendall has a fantastic sense of humor. She's a great deal of fun to be around. Now, Kay Kendall, for her part, has quite a romantic history by the time she meets Rex Harrison in 1954. At the time, she's 27 years old and has had a long romance with Sidney Chaplin, the son of Charlie Chaplin and Lita Gray, previous Trashy Divorces alum. 
Kate Kendall was also reportedly romantically linked to Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. Mm. Kate is frequently seen being escorted around town by the Marquess of Milford Haven. <laughs> Sorry. I know these are important titles. The Maharaja of Cooch Behar. And Billy Wallace, the friend and one-time romantic interest of Princess Margaret. Hmm. There's spider webs for days. This sure. is only what I could get in this story. We have a whole bonus Patreon spider web for Rex Harrison this week. Holy cats. It is on the set of The Constant Husband that Harrison falls for the younger, fun-loving actress Kay Kendall. A bit ironic that The Constant Husband broke up his second marriage. <laughs> I'm glad you got that irony. Lily, meanwhile, is off filming a movie in Germany, which gives Rex ample time to pursue his new love interest. As his phone calls become more sporadic and more distant and not as involved, Lily certainly knows there is someone else. In the late summer of this year, Rex and Lily are hosting the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, the Oliviers, Lawrence and mm -hmm. Vivian, as well as Jean-Pierre Almont in their Italian villa, and they're eating at a restaurant called Pittisforo. Oh, God, you're not ready. Rex is handed a note by the waiter. Rex reads it and stammers that it was the press, and he needed to go tell them who was there, but it wasn't the press. It was Kay Kendall. Mm. And they had a quick drink, and then Rex promises to meet her the next day at Hotel Eden, in Santa Margarita. When Kay arrives, she is with her close friend, Carol Saroyan, who later would become Carol Mathau mm -hmm. when she becomes the wife of Walter Mathau. Also, Carol Marcus is how she was born. Truman Capote said she was made of moonbeams. I love it when Carol shows up in a story. It delights me. Okay. Carol and Kay later that afternoon, show up as guests of the Earl of Warwick aboard his yacht. It is no coincidence that the Rex Harrisons are on the yacht as well. Goodness, Rex invites Carol and Kay up to their villa that night for dinner, and Lily Palmer later wrote it was in the open as clear as daylight. And she'd already gone through this with him once. Uh-huh. A few days later, one of Carol's kids has to be hospitalized for appendicitis. So Kay and Carol had to go to her sister's house in Geneva. And when Rex hears that Kay had to go to Geneva, he got into his car and sped away to join her. Wow. Leaving his wife uh, in Italy. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Rex will also, this is kind of nice. It's one nice thing I'll say about Rex Harrison. Rex will pay the medical bills that Carol has from the sick kid hmm. because Carol at this time is between her husbands and was unable to pay for it. So there's one nice thing about Rex Harrison. He will eventually return to the villa, but when he does, surprise, all empty. Oh, good for Sheets Lily. on the couch. Lily Palmer had left for London to start work on her next play. And at this point, it is no secret that Harrison was having an affair and had fallen in love with Kate Kendall. Lily has a good friend, though, that she'll confide her feelings to. Noel Coward. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Noel Coward will write in his journal. This is dated the 12th of September, 1954. Rex Harrison has fallen in love with Kate Kendall and is breaking Lily Palmer's heart. Lily and Rex remain married, as they already had been contracted to star together in Bell, Book, and Candle. However, Lily Palmer, not going to mess around. She's done. She is going to make a big decision to take her own lover and will move in with Jack Buchanan. I respect that. Lily and Rex go on that way for a while. They live with other people, but they are unwilling to divorce. In 1956, Kate Kendall... Remember, Rex is still carrying on with her, begins feeling sickly and starts to see a doctor about her symptoms. The doctors do discover what Kay is suffering from, but they don't tell her. So, Instead, so they tell cancer. Rex Harrison. They don't share her diagnosis with her. Right. 
They share it with him. That's how they rolled back then. It was terrible. Kate Kendall was suffering from myeloid leukemia, and it was fatal. Yeah, that sucks. The doctor told Harrison that the disease would likely kill Kay within a year. Less than. Did anyone get around to telling her? Well, no. Okay. No, because the doctor and Rex Harrison make up this plan, and they both agree to tell Kay that her symptoms are due to an iron deficiency, so they lie to her. Oh, but no men folk. It's the twist you didn't see coming. Rex does tell one person the truth about his lover, Kay, and that truth is told to his wife, Lily Palmer. Wow. Lily Palmer tells Rex that they should get divorced so he can marry Kay Kendall to care for her during the time of her death. Right. Lily Palmer even suggests that the two of them could remarry once Kay Kendall had passed away. It's fine, but divorce me, marry Kay, and then we'll just get remarried. This is very weird. I'm not going to lie. This is, this is very weird. I promised you a ride. This is one of the most incredible stories ever told. Rex Harrison has his own special place in the Hall of Fame. And is it this time that Rex proposes marriage to Kay Kendall without telling her what had prompted this change of heart? He doesn't say it's my wife that's telling me to do Mm -hmm. this. On June 22nd, 1957, Rex Harrison marries his third wife, knowing that marriage will not last long at all. Just keep taking those iron pills, babe. In addition for caring for Kay, Rex Harrison was also performing in his career-defining role on stage as Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady. Rex stars alongside Julie Andrews in the production in 1956, Rex will win his second Tony Award for Best Actor for this portrayal in 1957. The play is a smash hit on Broadway. Rex will win the Academy Award for Best Actor in 1964 for this same role in the film version, which co-stars Audrey Hepburn. How's Kay? (laughs) Kay, believe it or not, lives much longer than her doctor initially predicted. She, Kay Kendall will die at the age of 32 on September the 6th, 1959. So she got about three years. Okay. I mean, that's completely tragic, but, and like nobody ever told her. They were just like, here, take these, take some more iron iron pills. Have some spinach, Kay. It'll make you strong like Popeye. Not terrible. Rex Harrison naturally is brokenhearted over Kay Kendall's death. To make matters worse, though, he had been counting on Lily's promise from a few years ago and being able to remarry her once Kay had passed away. Why would Lily do that? Rex has a backup plan. Given how he's treated her. So Rex goes back to Lily like, hey, babe. uh, Isn't she still living with Jack Buchanan or whatever? No, she had remarried during his two-year marriage to Kay Kendall. Lily's not waiting around for Rex. Take a bow, man. Yeah. It was a good show. Done with you. Get the hell on. Yeah. So Rex, at this point, is alone for the first time in his life. (laughs) All of his previous divorces, right, were the result of his philandering. They were quickly followed by a remarriage, but this time, sexy Rexy all alone. There's no new wife waiting on the sidelines. Let's sideline for a break here. And come back for his fourth marriage. Oh, God. The story's incredible. It's just, just disaster upon disaster upon disaster. We'll see you on the flip. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number. Thousands of people try to call. I talk to one of them. They stay anonymous. I can't hang up. That's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh. Somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. All right, Alicia, am I correct that we are we are through three? Three, three on number four. Okay. Whew. Rex Harrison. Enter Rachel Roberts. Okay. Now... I hope that you weren't too concerned during our little break about Rex Harrison's loneliness. Probably your heart panged 
feeling a little sorry for Rex. Just deeply sad, yeah. Rest assured, it's it's he's fine. <laughs> it's not going to take old Rex long to find a new love. Or something. <laughs> Perhaps love is strong. In 1960, Rex will meet his new leading lady for the play Platonov. The next future Mrs. Harrison was Welsh actress Rachel Roberts. On the surface, Rachel Roberts appears to be outgoing and very energetic, but in reality, poor Rachel Roberts has very little self-esteem or confidence and suffers from depression. There's very much a dichotomy about her public behavior, inner persona. They all do connect, though. Rachel has ongoing issues with depression. Adding to that, Rachel is also a big drinker, just like her husband, Rex. Hmm. It's easier for us to see the obvious writing on the wall here. Sure. That this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> but it is March the 3rd, 1962, when Rachel is 34 and Rex is 53, that the two marry in Italy. Hmm. Rachel will tell an English interviewer shortly after the marriage, Before I married Rex, if God had said to me, Rachel, what do you want to be apart from a great actress? I would have said a dazzling courtesan, not a whore, not a hooker, but a lovely lady whom men adored. But after meeting Rex, all I wanted to be was the best, the most brilliant wife in the world. Honey, you're gaslit. <laughs> but you can kind of see how Rex is going to find that personality to gaslight after how yeah. everything else is gone. So, yeah. I don't know if you're I don't know if you're ready for all of this, but here we go. At the time, Rex is filming the enormously expensive movie Cleopatra mm, with, with previous Trashy sure. Divorces alum Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. Richard Burton also co-starring. We're gonna have more about this in Spiderwebs, and you're not ready for that story. The story for today, though. Rachel Roberts is shooting a film called The Sporting Life. Both Cleopatra and The Sporting Life would be nominated for Academy Awards in 1963, though neither of those films would take home the Oscar. Professional success abounds for Rex and Rachel, but their relationship is kind of rocky from the beginning. Soon, this couple becomes known about the place for their public fights. Mm. And most especially Rachel for her excessive drinking. Now, Rex is an excessive drinker as well, but Rachel sort of gets the reputation sure. for this. But before long, Rachel is exhibiting very strange behaviors, throwing fits in public. At parties, she'll begin throwing herself down on all fours on the floor and then yelling, I'm pretending to be a Welsh corgi. Okay. She's having some breaks. Yeah, that's that's not weird. Yeah. Once at the Moscow Film Festival, Rachel's behaving so bizarrely that Rex was heard telling her, Rachel, this is Russia. You'll get us all shot. Oof. Mm -hmm. Both, though, continue to have career success during the next few years, but Rex way more than Rachel. Here, Harrison will star in Dr. Doolittle, during which he was an absolute nightmare to film with. I love mm -hmm. when terrible people have smashing successes. It's great. Rachel at this point turns into what others describe as a quote unquote full-blown alcoholic and behaving very unpredictably. Rex's son, Carrie Harrison, recalls visiting the British embassy with his stepmother who got drunk and entertained the guests with what she called the dance of the 40 pussies which was a striptease act that she performed on the tabletop. Hmm. I think taking something from Matahari in the Dance of the Forty Veils, but here sure. it was the Dance of the Forty. At a British embassy event, I'm sure. Yes. I'm sure. Stiff upper lip, everyone. Close your eyes and think of England. <laughs> my God. Oh, my God. I can't imagine what that had to look like at the British embassy. I diplomats and fancy people and and the dance and of the 40 pussies then this unwell woman i don't think there were 40 kittens involved in that i think that was something different 
Okay, fellow actress and friend Pamela Mason recalls a time when she saw Rachel running out of their house just as Pamela got to their house and Rachel's getting in a cab. And confused, Pamela goes to the door and like, Rex, what's happening? And Rex says very casually, oh, she's off to kill herself. She says she's going to throw herself off a rock into the sea. I've done my best. I can do no more. He's already had a lover who killed herself. And one who died from an illness he lied to her about. How is he so cavalier? Okay. So Pamela Mason is like, okay, Rex, you're a big fucking help. Realizing that Rex is not going to intervene, Pamela Mason calls film star Jennifer Jones, married to David O. Selznick, who happens to live next to the rock cliff. That, oh, in question. <laughs> yeah, that they figure Rachel's going to. Oh, God. So, Pamela calls Jennifer Jones. Hey, Jennifer, will you intercept Rachel when she gets out of the cab? Before she jumps. And then Pamela leaves to go to the cliff in question as well. Jennifer Jones has a friend there who witnesses the entire oh, situation. Who will say, they had to talk to her all night before she calmed down and came back. I think she's very seriously ill mentally. Rachel is saved from the cliff in question mm-hmm. due to her friends, Pamela Mason and Jennifer Jones. Yeah. Well, that's good, but I'm guessing. It get, it gets worse. Yeah. Okay. Later, the couple, Rex and Rachel, are attending a very grand party at the home of Richard Harris, who had recently started Camelot. Richard Harris is a big deal and also thinks he's a big deal. Richard Harris also has a prized possession. It's his most prized possession in the world. He has a pet Chinese mockingbird. I am very concerned for the well-being of the Chinese mockingbird at this point in the story. Well, don't worry. Rachel gets drunk and opens the cage to Richard Harris's most prized possession and that Pet Chinese Mockingbird hops out of the window and flies out into the night. Okay. Well, at least she didn't, like, cook it or something. Okay. No. Richard Harris's wife, Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, had to try to find an exact match of the bird before her very temperamental husband realized what had happened. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I probably should have given y'all with kids warning about that whole thing before, but this is definitely child warning. Kids do not need to hear the story if you thought the Dance of the Forty Kittens was bad. Okay. Whoa. In 1968, Rex and Rachel co-star in a film called A Flea in Her Ear, and the premiere is in Paris in a Champs-Élysées restaurant, and Rex, big guy that he is, does make a mistake here and he invites his friends elizabeth taylor and richard burton Mm. the most famous couple in the world the most famous people on the planet yes along with rex and rachel to the premiere of the Mm. okay yeah so i'm sure that all of the attention was on the people whose movie was premiering (sighs) the harrisons and the burtons ride to the event together in a limousine and when they arrive the paparazzi We're only interested in naturally who, Mm -hmm. Liz and Dick, right? Yep. Completely ignore Rex and Rachel. How'd that go? Not great. Mm. Rex and Rachel not happy, but once inside the party, they think it's going to be a little different because, you know, they're the stars of the film, but Mm -hmm. no, No. they're still ignored. Mm -hmm. So Rex and Rachel sat at their table pouting and drinking while all the photographers focused on Taylor and Burton. Absolutely. After a while, Rachel had been drinking progressively through the night with no attention. She climbs unsteadily onto the table and screams at the top of her voice, We are the stars of this fucking film. Pay attention to me. No one notices Rachel. So she's going to go a little one, one step further. It's no British embassy, but she will lift up her skirt to her waist and scream, here's my pussy, take some pictures of it. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Okay. Rex tries to get her to come down from the table. She'll yell to him, don't talk to me. You can't even get it up, you old fart. Oh my God. 
This marriage is not going well. Really? Obviously. By 1969, the newspapers are reporting about Rex enjoying the company of the beautiful Elizabeth Harris, the now estranged wife of bird lover Richard Harris. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. People have been trashy forever. It is in the summer of 1969 that Rex invites Elizabeth Harris and her three sons to join him for a private chartered Mediterranean cruise. Hmm. It is no surprise that Rex and Rachel's divorce was finalized in February of 1971. Let me introduce you to wife number five, Elizabeth Harris. Yep. The bird woman of Los Angeles or wherever. Rex will marry Elizabeth at the Long Island estate of Alan J. Lerner on August 26, 1971, Rex is now stepfather to three young boys, and it turns out the more kids, more responsibility kind of lifestyle. Not for him. Nah, doesn't suit Rex so well. Not really a dad kind of guy. His own children, because Rex has some, mm-hmm. are primarily cared for by nannies and sent to boarding schools. Well, so. and their mothers, his exes. That's not Elizabeth Harris. That's not the woman that Mm -hmm. he married on his fifth time around. She's a very involved mother, and she expects that her life would continue to revolve around her sons, not Rex Harrison's whims. Hmm. Well, that just seems like a failure to communicate. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I love it when people pull this move because it really, it's, it's not attractive, but it's an often used one. It's not long before Rex is constantly complaining about the lack of attention he's getting and how the kids are making messes or misplacing something or getting in the way and you pay more attention to them than you do to me. It's not a good look. In 1974, there's a small burglary at the house in Cap Verot. So Elizabeth leaves London to go there to check out what was missing, and she's arranging Rex's things when she comes across some old letters. Hmm. Elizabeth Harris will recall, I thought I had these letters back in London. They were ones that Rex had written to me from America, smoothing over some of our difference or trying to. And then I looked a bit more closely and saw that instead of my name, my darling Elizabeth, There was my darling Rachel. Oh, God. There were copies of letters that Rex had sent to his previous wife. And then there were copies of letters he had sent to even earlier wives. No, wait, no, wait. This is where it really gets delightful. All containing the same phrases, thoughts, and apologies. Oh, my God. As in the letters he had sent to me. Same script different wife. He really is playing the role of Rex Harrison. Take a bow, man. Elizabeth Harris wisens up and leaves him shortly afterward. Their divorce is final in 1975. So that's number five? Number five. Okay. Oh, but Rex all alone. Sure. In need of a woman's companionship and frightened by being alone. And pushing 70 at this point. Rex will briefly turn to his ex-wife. Corgi lover bird releaser, Rachel Roberts, who remains in poor mental health and continues to struggle with her drinking. So thanks for trying to help her out, Rex. And when Rachel ultimately fails to stimulate Rex and all of his adore again, he's seen out with many other women, including dinners with Princess Mary Obolinsky, a Russian royal living in Monaco. But the lady that Rex is seen the most with was a woman named Mercia Tinker. Hmm. Mercia Tinker is 30 years younger than her husband. Well, you, to be. you can't expect him to date a woman in her 60s. Everyone's surprised by Rexon's pick of Mercia Tinker, who was not well known or typical of who he was normally attracted to. Mercia is the daughter of a well-off rubber planter. She's well-educated. She's fluent in several languages. 
Mercia Tinker is also very, very rich due to her divorce from a Swiss businessman. Hmm. Soon after their meeting, Rex Harrison tells a friend, I found someone who will keep me in order. Rex and Mercia marry December 17th, 1978. There is one person who is brokenhearted by this marriage. Who? The news devastates Rachel Roberts. Oh, well, okay. Who was still harboring fantasies of being reunited with Rex Harrison. In the summer of 1979, Rachel calls Rex and reads him a short story that she had written. And when she finished, he read her a love poem he had written for a new collection he was publishing. And he also read to her the book's dedication. For Mercia, my beloved wife, from whom I have learned the art of loving and living at last. He's such a dick. <laughs> While Rex and Mercia continued on contentedly, Rachel will up her efforts to win Rex back. On November the 26th, 1980, Rachel wakes up to read an article in the Los Angeles Times that features an interview with Rex. Rachel is very upset that there is no mention of Rachel in that article. Rachel's body was found at oh 3.30 that afternoon by her gardener. This guy really has an impact on women. He may be the most terrible profile. We've Henry VIII's, I mean, beheading is pretty bad. Agreed. But Rex Harrison, kings recognize kings. Mm. I, I don't know. Poor Rachel. At first, it was thought that she had died of a heart attack. But her autopsy revealed that Rachel had, in fact, died from a massive overdose of barbiturates. Well, that sucks. Rex would remain married to Mercia until his death from pancreatic cancer in June of 1990. The king is dead. Just thank God. <laughs> in his later years, Rex Harrison remains a respected and sought-after actor right up into his death. In June of 1989, he was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II in Buckingham Palace while the band played selections from My Fair Lady. At the time of his death, Rex Harrison was 82 years old, dying on June the 2nd, 1990. He had been performing on stage right up into late May, not too long at all in between. In accordance with the king's wishes, he was cremated and part of his ashes were scattered at Portofino, Italy. The rest of his ashes were scattered on the grave of his second wife, Lily Palmer. Oh my God. At Forest Lawn Cemetery in Glendale, California. I, I, uh, why don't you leave Lily alone? She's dead already, man. Back off. Leave them all. She got clear of you. (laughs) Take a bow, Rex Harrison. I must litter her grave with my ashes, dude. And those... My dear Stacy and my darling trash pandas are the five trashy divorces, the dead wife and the fatal affair of Rex Harrison. My God. And he got knighted. Quit rewarding terrible men. So do you do you have a trash can rating in mind? Are their numbers large enough to encompass Rex Harrison's trashiness? It's a good question, Stacy. Trash cans. <laughs> I mean, what kind of number of trash cans do you assign for the trashy divorces star who changes the nomenclature of our podcast? Mm. It's a whole new world and one in which you will be remembered, Rex Harrison. Yes. At least here, probably not in the way that you would like to be. No, but the way we like to be. <laughs> Rex Harrison gets a standing ovation <laughs> and a West End theater full of trash cans. Rex, you are a terrible husband. You are top of the charts when it comes to trashing. <laughs> Take a bow, you jerk. Okay, that was strong. That was a strong close, Alicia. I, I feel very strongly <laughs> about this story. I am I am unpleased. And you should be remembered, honestly, Rex Harrison, as a terrible, terrible man to women. All right. Well, with that. Thanks, everybody. For tuning in today for our trashy Hall of Fame all-star combo ride. We're going to be back with you on Wednesday for a whole new trashy tale of love gone wrong. In the meantime, 
You can join us at patreon.com slash trashy divorces to get early and ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, Zoom hangouts, all kinds of stuff. Dumpster dive. Oh, and the Rex Harrison dishy spiderwebs this week is a follow-up too. It's going to be a lot of fun over there. It's always a lot of fun at TDHQ too. Big love to everybody. Have a tremendous week. For sure. Until we meet again. Keep your hands clean. Keep those hearts trashy. Bye. Bye, y'all. Have a great week. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear want to advertise with us reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information and last but not least come play with us on social media i keep most of our trashy divorces instagram hopping stacy and i share it up over on facebook including our trashy divorces podcast discussion group come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening keep it trashy y'all